Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This is the Action Network Podcast. It's good for the win! Welcome into the Action Network Podcast. This is your UFC 272 betting preview. Brendan Glasheen with Action Network senior writer Sean Zarillo, former professional MMA fighter and MMA analyst Billy Ward back this week for UFC 272. It's at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. We had some news come in early in the week that was going to affect this coming weekend. And now that we've sorted all that out, Odds of, of course, available uh, wherever you may please. Getting set for what should be another great weekend in the fighting world. Let's start with this. Of course, the main event. Colby Covington is the favorite against Jorge Masvidal. Sean, your thoughts on the main event this weekend? This fight is going to be won or lost up against the cage. I think it plays out very similarly if Covington wins to the first fight between Usman and Masvidal. Usman secured five takedowns in that fight. I believe he shot 16 times, had 16 minutes of control time. Largely, that was up against the cage. Masvidal, the striker here, to Covington being the wrestler. Covington, good volume, good pace, pressure, durability. I mean, he'll pour it on you for five rounds. So even if these two just turn out to end up in a kickboxing match because they want to punch it out, I do think Jorge has a chance on power optics, but Colby should have more volume over the course of 25 minutes. And he's obviously going to have the grappling upside here as well, which is what makes him a minus 350 favorite. Never would lay that type of price on him because he's not a finisher. So I'm going to look to the prop market. His minus 110, minus 105, up to minus 120 decision line is interesting. I would make that closer to minus 130. But you can find a fight to go the distance prop at minus 122 at FanDuel. And just looking at the math, I don't want to get too crazy in terms of nerding out over the math here, but this is the type of stuff that if you're going to bet sports, you need to look for in terms of betting theory. What is the book telling you? Forget my projections. What is the book telling you? Minus 122 to go to a decision. Okay. Colby minus 105 by decision. That's about 52%. Masvidal plus 1200 by decision. It's about seven, seven and a half percent. So they're telling you this fight should go to a decision about 60% of the time. Should be about minus 150. And that's not even accounting for the VIG. So this line should probably be closer to about minus 175. Jorge probably has more finishing upside inside the distance, bigger puncher. But Colby, as I said, is very durable. Maybe Colby gets him out of there late, just rinses and repeats with the takedowns, puts the pressure on him. Woodley popped the rib late against them. That fight was probably going to a decision. 
think both of their finishing upside may be a little bit overrated here. So the fight go to decision minus 122 at FanDuel. It looks like a terrific bet to me. I think Jorge denies the early takedowns, keeps Colby off of him early. And then Colby eventually starts to get them in the later rounds and pours on the pressure. So I think Billy and I have pretty similar views on how this fight plays out, but I'm curious to see how he's playing it and how he'd use these guys for DFS. Yeah, Billy, I'm fascinated by the, the Masvidal takedown defense angle and how you might want to approach this main event. How would you approach it? Maybe a little differently than Sean would. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty lockstep with Sean. I think it's pretty likely to go to a decision. But with that being five rounds and the output on these guys, that means it's pretty viable even for GPPs that both these guys end up in the optimal lineup or his only 6,800. So depending on how the rest of the card plays out, he can score enough points to justify 6,800. And, you know, Colby's output is just insane. His striking, his takedowns. So basically anytime he's not fighting Kamaru Usman, you want him in your lineups. It's pretty much that simple with him. I'm seeing 75% takedown defense from Jorge, which is about right. I think Colby's able to get him down eventually. I don't know if it's so easy right off the bat. So the only betting angle I have on that, if uh, Jorge defends a couple in the early rounds and looks good and that line moves a little bit, I'd consider betting Covington live if it gets closer to even money on him. Yeah, I agree with that Covington live angle, especially after the first round. Masvidal took a scorecard against Usman in both of those fights. So that line is probably going to tighten after the first round if Covington can get him down right away. Minus 250 on Covington, minus 200. Those would be good prices to target after the first round. Maybe even after the second round, though, I would I would expect you probably get the first best price after round one. Sean, yeah, as a just, follow-up question. Well, go ahead, Billy. I was just going to say, with you know, Covington's cardio is a lot easier to trust than Masvidal. We've seen Covington win rounds that go, or fights that go five rounds. Jorge's only wins in five-round fights ended in the second and third round. We've never seen him in the fourth and fifth. So ideally, we've got Jorge leading after two or three, and we can get even closer to even. But Sean's probably right in that the safest would be to go Colby after round one. Sean, as a follow-up question to live betting MMA, we didn't get into this much last week. And we're here every Friday, by the way, for the UFC betting previews on the Action Network podcast. What is the biggest piece of advice when you want to live bet a fight? Because I don't think we discussed that much last week. Yeah, cardio is the biggest weapon in MMA. Uh, The more fights you watch, the more you realize that having a skill advantage doesn't matter if you're gasping for air and backing up. So generally speaking, fighters who have higher finishing upside tend to go a little bit crazy earlier in fights. They tend to gas out later in fights. And when they're matching up against the fighter who has proven cardio and can sustain for 15 minutes, in this case, 25 minutes, you look to bet against them after round one. Once their wing condition has largely passed and that fighter is out of the most danger. So it's, it's really just about betting on cardio, finding cardio advantages and looking to weaponize that maybe even just waiting for a better price. Once a fighter is out of the round where their opponent is going to be the most dangerous. Let's move on to our favorite underdog bets. Of course, you want to find some angles as we discussed in the main event. You want to find some angles to best capitalize on what the book is offering. Sean, what stands out to you as a favorite underdog bet? Yeah, one underdog I'm betting not going to be my favorite just because he's only a slight underdog and it's about to pick him is Nico Negamarianu. Like his inside the distance odds at plus 300 as well. But my favorite underdog in that plus 170 to plus 300 range that would be Tim Elliott. And I, I really like this guy as a money line play. I like his decision prop at plus 450. Tagiru Bekov just hasn't really impressed me so far in the UFC. He doesn't really do much. He can take you down, but he lays on top. He almost lost the fight with top control last time out just because the guy on bottom 
was being so active from guard and kept hitting him over and over. But Lewin-Bekov just largely laid on top. Tim Elliott, probably the better striker. Really awkward movement. Creates awkward angles. Good volume. He'll kick your leg over and over. So I expect Elliott to probably win minutes on the feet. And I'm not necessarily sure that Ulan Bekov is the better grappler if this fight hits the mat. I think Elliott might be able to reverse him. I think Elliott might even be able to take him down. My one concern with Elliott is going to be his cardio in the third round of this fight. He is getting up there in age. He's a bit old for a flyweight, but this guy has fought the best of the best in the world at 125. Excellent strength of schedule. I think he's probably a pretty solid underdog bet at anything over plus 175, but you can get plus 200 in the marketplace. So Tim Elliott, Elliott by decision are my favorite underdog plays for this weekend. He's 205, as you mentioned, on FanDuel, Tim Elliott. You can also find him at plus 200 on DraftKings and BetMGM. Billy, how about yourself? Your favorite underdog bet for the weekend? Yeah, I'm going with Mikhail Olasheshak against Dustin Jacoby. He, I think he's 170 now. He was 180 when I first looked at this one, which means we're on the right side of it. But uh, Jacoby is the more decorated striker. He's got kickboxing and boxing experience. But Olasheshak just has a lot more power. So when we've got two guys who are mostly going to stand and trade, the guy with the power, he only has to win for about two seconds of the fight. He lands that shot, he wins, it's over. Jacoby has to win the whole fight. He has to continue to win because if he gets his lights put out, it doesn't matter how good he looked before that. And then additionally, both of Ola Shayshuk's UFC losses are by submission, and Jacoby doesn't really have a lot of interest in making it a grappling match. So I'm not so worried about that. I think, you know, if there is any grappling, Ola Shayshuk probably has a slight advantage. I don't know that we see that. For those of us betting on him, I'm hoping we get some grappling there. And then obviously that also makes Ola Shayshuk a great DFS play. I think he's 7,600. So if he can get a knockout for that, we're going to want to have exposure to him there too. Yeah, I bet his inside the distance odds at plus 300. I think that's a solid prop too. It just probably ties up most of his win condition. He's 4-0, I believe, on decisions for his career. But if he's landing, I think he's a good chance of putting Jacoby down. And he's very good at finding the chin in the pocket. Yeah, I'm really hoping we get a little bit of grappling out of him just to make him steal a round or two there. You know, he could get he could get touched a lot more, but then if he gets a takedown at the end, a lot of times the judges look favorably on that. So I'm hoping it's not just stand-up, but I'm with you if it is. Olin, uh Shakeoff, by the way, is uh, like you said, he's 7,600 on DraftKings and he's averaging just over 70 DK fantasy points uh, per fight this year. Let's move on to our fight of the night. We have Bryce Mitchell at minus 165. Uh, th- those are the lines brought to you by BetMGM. Taking on Edson Barbosa, he is at plus 135. First off, Sean, why is this a fight? Uh, and Billy, please, you as well. Why is this a fight that stands out to each of you that you'd like to highlight this week? It's, of course, not the main event, but it's a fight that each of you are particularly passionate about. Yeah, I think the stylistic nature of it is so polarizing. Mitchell, a very strong grappler, tons of top pressure. We haven't really seen Barbosa face a non-kickboxer in a while. Barbosa, by far the better kickboxer, one of the best in the sport. Very dangerous. And I think he can even catch Mitchell coming in. Mitchell goes to shoot for a single leg. Barbosa lifts the knee. He could catch him under the chin. Barbosa has multiple ways of winning this fight. Mitchell, I believe, unless he gets a quick submission, it's probably going to be a pretty ugly, sloppy decision win unless he's just hanging on to Barbosa for three rounds. So I'm curious to see if Barbosa can get up early. If he can get up early, can he keep getting up if Mitchell comes back and takes him down? Because that guy just clings on you. He seems very annoying to fight against. Has the undefeated record. Do you think that's overinflating him a little bit? Hasn't fought in a while, but doesn't necessarily train with the top camp. So I don't really know what kinds of improvements that he's making. But it's a tough stylistic matchup for Barbosa. Always going to be interested in plus money. 
I think there is value on him at plus money. But again, I prefer his inside the distance odds at plus 300. I believe that line is available at DraftKings. If he's winning enough minutes on the feet to win this fight in space, I expect that he's eventually going to find a way to knock Mitchell out. So plus 300 on both Borussia inside the distance. Money line, probably fair value too. But I believe a, maybe a live bet after round one, if Mitchell can't take him down, if it's obvious that Barbosa is going to be able to get up over and over and Mitchell's top pressure isn't really working. But listen, if Mitchell goes in there and submits him right away, I don't think I'm necessarily going to be shocked either. This kid's grappling is pretty special. We just haven't really seen him get put in trouble on the feet. And I think this is the fight where it's going to happen. Billy, you have similar thoughts on Barbosa? Yeah, I'm, I'm riding with him, as is usually the case with Sean and I. I'm taking the safer route and just betting his money line. I could see him, you know, outpointing him and Mitchell being tough enough to survive. The big thing I'm looking to see, though, is whether Barbosa can get back to the feet once it does hit the ground. His takedown defense is solid at 78% through his UFC career, but he's probably going to get taken down at least once or twice in this fight. If he can get back up, that's what I'm looking for in terms of the live betting and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's a huge step up in competition for Mitchell. He's never really fought someone as seasoned as Barbosa. And I, I like the veteran. I like the guy who we've seen do it at a high level before. So I'm going with Barbosa. He should also be bigger. He's going to have a four-inch reach advantage. I mean, he, he used to fight at lightweight. So he is the bigger guy. It's just a matter of whether Mitchell's pressure is going to be too much for him. I mean, the guy just sort of, he's like a leech. He just grips on you, and he doesn't let go until you're on the ground. But if Barbosa can shuck him off, especially in the bigger cage, I think the bigger cage certainly plays to Edson's advantage here. Yeah, Barbosa, as the guys mentioned, plus money, two and two and four efforts as a featherweight this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think his hands, based on what I've uh, read up on and caught up on from watching, he uh, his hands are are really doing well for him as of late as he uh, heads into this fight at 22 and 10 overall. We cannot have this episode or this podcast without discussing prop bets because that is a fun way to get involved if you don't feel strongly about one side or the other in these particular fights on the main card it's always a nice idea to go to a prop bet uh billy we'll go to you first here on the prop bets who do you like uh on the, in the prop market yeah i'm betting sergey spivak to win by submission i think it's right around plus 300 He's fighting Greg Hardy, and, you know, we'd all love to see Greg Hardy get knocked out again, but I don't think that's really how Spivak's <laughs> going to play this one. Uh, the fight is minus 225 to end before a decision, so most of that is obviously going to be on the Spivak side because he's a pretty big favorite. But he has zero standing knockdowns in his UFC career. His only KO win was on the ground against Jared Vandera. Um, I don't think Hardy has the capabilities to put him away standing. He hasn't looked good striking. He's been knocked out a couple times lately. So I think eventually Spivak's just experience and his skill advantage will allow him to get it to the ground and he'll find a submission. Hardy doesn't seem to have very good cardio. I'd expect it to come late. If you want to get real crazy, bet it round two, round three. But I'm happy with the plus 300 I'm getting just to win by submission at any point. How about you, Yeah, Sean? I, I kind of like that. Uh, my, my only concern is just that Spivak gets on top of him and starts – ground and pounding them until Hardy just, you know, sort of turtles up and doesn't fight back and it gets stopped. So that's why I generally lean to the inside the distance props, that submission line, that knockout line are the same price. Like you said, probably higher upside because his win condition is going to come on the ground for the submission prop. I bet that fight to inside the distance or under two and a half rounds, minus 175 at DraftKings. I think those are the approaches I would take just because Spivak's a bad striker. I could see Hardy putting him down early. My favorite prop is going to be Kevin Holland by submission at plus 850. This line should be closer to plus 500, in my opinion. I have about a quarter of a unit, 0.2 units on that bet. Nothing crazy, 
But what you do with bets like this and how I tend to play props like this every weekend, you mix them up in little round robins. So I mentioned Oleksaychuk inside the distance, Barbosa inside the distance, Tim Elliott by decision. You throw Holland by submission in there. You've got a two plus 300s, a plus 450, and a plus 850. Mix them up in a little round robin. You could get a very nice payout from those for pretty small stakes. So it's a fun way to play it. But to me, Alex Oliveira has about seven minutes of gas in him. And when that starts to run out, he looks to give up his neck and find a way out of there. doesn't typically get knocked out, but he seems to give up his neck and find a way to get submitted. So I think Holland snatches up a guillotine at some point here and puts him away in the second round. Plus 850 by submission. I think is a pretty solid bet. Considering Holland's BJJ, but more considering how Oliver, Oliver looks for a way out once he starts to tire. Yeah, and he, he struggled, uh, Oliveira, lately. He's two and six over his last eight fights, and the two victories uh, were, not, were not all that uh, encouraging as far as how he looks coming into the weekend. So definitely uh, Holland is someone who is trending up, but definitely, again, folks, a way to get involved uh, with the fights. You might see the heavy favorite and think stay away, but prop bets available to find unique ways to get in on the uh, on the particular fighter you might be passionate about. Let's First fight at welterweight for Holland, I should mention too, yeah. moving down from 185. He never really pushed the, the middleweight limit. It seemed like he never cut weight. So definitely an interesting angle to watch. He could be absolutely massive at the welterweight division. Okay, there you go. Another nugget that helps uh, make the case. Billy, your time to shine here, pal. We're moving on to DFS strategy. And I'm curious as to how you look at the board, look at the salaries and how... You start. How do you start a lineup this week in DFS? Yeah, obviously the most important thing we have going this week is there's two different five-round fights. So we've got the late edition of Renato Moicano against RDA. Um, so both those guys are exceedingly cheap. We've got 7,200 and 7,300, I believe, is their salary. So they're adding up to 14,500 instead of the usual 16,2. For cash games, you're just going to plug both those guys in. You could also plug in both Colby and Jorge. I'm comfortable just going Colby on that one because we don't really need to save the salary. But it gets interesting for GPPs because I looked at the last four events that we had multiple five-round fights. One of those, both fighters in one of the fights and then the winner of the other both made the optimal lineup. So three of your four or three of your six lineup members came from those two fights i think that's really in play with the co-main event here you know if it's pretty likely to go five rounds that means we can get a lot of action out of those guys and they're just so cheap that that makes it easy uh sean do you have an opinion on who you're more interested in from a dfs standpoint in the co-main yeah it's gonna be dos anjos for me uh i'll get into it in a minute but this guy has been competing in five round fights largely since 2015 it's been to the fourth round eight times over that span. First five-round fight for Moicano. So I think just in terms of the stylistic nature of how their experiences played out, RDA shrink the schedule. Uh, at that price point, it's it's all RDA for me, certainly. And, yeah, they, and then for, yeah, they oh. found out they were going head-to-head Tuesday. That was some of the news from earlier in the week that they agreed, uh, Moicano and uh, Anjos, that they would agree to a five-round fight, Billy. Yeah, just to expand on that a little bit, when DraftKings releases their salary Monday or Sunday or Monday usually, that salary is locked in. So when we get an opponent shift like that, Dos Anjos went from a fairly heavy underdog to now he's a favorite. So we're basically paying, you know, long shot odds to get a somewhat heavy favorite in that. So he's going to be super popular. I think the way to get contrarian or unique with that is to pair him with his opponent, not to avoid him altogether. I like that. I like that. That's huge because like you said, I mean, that's, 
that analysis, folks, that's just going to jump out to people, right? Like, how do you avoid, how do you avoid the chalk? I don't think many people would think like that to just go ahead and roster the guy he's, he's facing. Uh, and just as a reminder as well, you'll find in the DraftKings contest that Rafael Fazeev is out. He, uh, we found out Monday, COVID-19 positive test. So, of course, do not roster him. Uh, that is not that is a no-no at $8,900. So, yes, at, to Billy's point, the salaries won't update. The fighters will also not leave the contest, um, <laughs> even if they are uh, ruled out. Any other angles you'd like to share, Billy, in terms of uh, daily fantasy, cash games, or GPPs? Yeah, from a GPP standpoint, I'm looking real hard at the Jalen Turner versus Jamie Malarkey fight. You know, the salaries are pretty close in this one, so I can really see it going either way. But I've got this one at minus 200 to be finished inside the distance. So with those guys at 8,000 to 8,200, if either of them gets a stoppage, you almost certainly have to have them in, in your lineup to win anything big. Uh, you know, I think Turner's the better striker where we've seen Malarkey rack up a lot of takedowns in some of his fights, but he's a good striker too. He's got a couple knockouts on his record. So I, I don't have a strong take on who's going to win that fight, but I'm pretty confident that the winner is going to be in the best lineups come the close of contest Saturday night. Any- yeah. That's an absolutely ridiculous fight. Uh, final prelim. I believe that should, it should just be really fun. Turner's very aggressive in round one. Malarkey's uh, durability is probably going to be what swings the result. If he's able to weather that storm early, I think he takes over in rounds two and three, maybe a live betting opportunity, but I think he can actually rack up about 10 minutes of volume and then get Turner out of there late. Or I think Turner is going to get a round one finish. So I actually have the over one and a half rounds in that fight. I expect it to be pretty competitive. Malarkey's or survive, maybe get it to the later stages, but I could see a late round two finish as well for either of them. But yeah, I think either or in pretty much all of my DFS lineups, finish is probably coming in the second or third round so billy it feels fair to say better to take a more balanced approach from a salary standpoint like any interest in Nurmagomedov? he's at minus 800 of course in his fight head-to-head with kelleher was plus 550 but uh uh is at ninety six hundred dollars he's the most expensive so maybe that's a this is a week where you could fade the most expensive guy and get some value with those in-between salaries Yeah, you know, for GPPs in particular, I think he's going to be extremely popular just because we are getting so much savings in the main event. But uh, I'm probably going to mix in one of either him or Holland or Ulenbeckoff in a lot of my lineups just because those guys have such long odds. You know, Sean's talked me off Ulenbeckoff a little bit with his Tim Elliott pick earlier. But you've got room to play, you know, two of those expensive guys, one guy in the middle, and then with all the savings at the co-main event. But Ulenbeckoff just doesn't do anything. He just just lays there. He's just... He's, he's a lay and pray guy. Like it's not the type of guy you want to use in DFS lineup. He's not going to finish you and he's really not going to rack up a ton of control time either. He, he's either going to lay on top or get pushed off. So, I mean, that can be okay as long as Elliot gets back to his feet. So that's what you got to look at. If he, if Elliot keeps getting back to his feet and he lands seven, eight takedowns, those points add up quick. I don't think that's the most likeliest case. I think you're right in that the likely scenario is that he kind of gets stuck there. Not a lot happens. And that's a lot of salary to, to pay off if you're not getting a ton of takedowns. All right, before we wrap things up, we have to get to our best bets for UFC 272. Sean, you first. Yeah, we just mentioned the fight, but I'm going to take Rafael Dos Anjos, minus 175. I have this line projected closer to minus 250. If this was a three-round fight, I think I'd be considering Moicano at this price. But over the course of five rounds, I want RDA all day. 
This guy has maybe the best strength of schedule in UFC history. Look at the names he's fought. He's fought anybody who matters at 155. Former welterweight, Moicano, a former featherweight. So I think Dos Anos could be the bigger man in the cage. That said, let's put a pause on this. I think Moicano actually has some early success here. And you might even be able to live bet RDA after round one, round two. Moicano, the faster hands, actually has a bit of a length advantage. And the grappling should sort of neutralize each other out when both of these guys are fully rested. But after about 10 minutes, I think Moicano is going to start to dip. Guy basically flew 24 hours consecutively. He got to Brazil, got the notice that he was going to fight, got right back on a plane and came back to the States. He's been flying nonstop, has to cut weight for the second time in two weeks. Dosano has better volume over the course of five rounds. And I think he will start to be able to grapple RDA or he should be able to grapple Moicano in the late stages as well. So RDA to me, minus 175. I think that's a pretty good price for a five-round fight against a guy who is more than proven over the course of 25 minutes and somebody doing it for the first time. It's hard to avoid those airplane cookies and snacks they hand out too. So hopefully for his sake, he did that. (laughs) How about you, Billy, your best bet? Yeah, I'm going with Ludovic Klein at plus 140. He was fighting at featherweight before this fight in the UFC. I think this line would probably be closer to a pick but people are baking in that he's coming up a weight class to fight Devontae Smith. But if you look at his record, his only win in the UFC was a 150-pound catchweight. He fought at lightweight primarily before he got to the UFC. I don't see that being much of an issue. So I'm okay with him on that side. Uh, But, you know, he's lost both of his last two fights. Smith has lost two of his last three, but his only win was against Justin James, who lost like five fights in a row and was cut. So that wasn't you know, a super impressive win. I think this should be about a pick but we're getting plus 140 at Klein. So I'm going to take the value on that one. Coast sign. Love it. Love it. All right. I think that's it, fellas. Great stuff as always. And looking forward to an excellent weekend in Las Vegas. Excellent Saturday. Should be good. All right. Well, be sure to join us, folks, every Friday. This was your UFC 272 betting preview for Sean Zarillo and Billy Ward find their great work over on the Action Network. Brendan Glass, Sheen, again, be sure to check us out every Friday for UFC betting previews. Thanks for tuning in to the Action Network podcast. We will catch you next time.